0: The material shared within this podcast is for educational purposes only and is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Thomas is a SpeedyCath Compact Set user who has received compensation from Coloplast to provide this information. Each person's situation is unique, so your experience may not be the same. Talk to your healthcare provider about whether this product is right for you. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice or used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You should rely on the healthcare professional who knows your individual history for personal medical advice and diagnosis. Please see complete product instructions for use, including all product indications, contraindications, precautions, warnings, and adverse events. Welcome to the Real Talk Bladder and Bowel Conversations with Coloplast Care podcast, where we believe having real, honest conversations about bladder and bowel management can improve wellness, reduce stigma, and foster community support. I'm Brianna, your host, and I'm a Coloplast team member dedicated to making life easier for people with intimate healthcare needs. Let's have a Real Talk. Today's guest is Thomas Cloyd, a Minnesota native who now lives in California, where he works in healthcare. About a decade ago, Thomas was left paralyzed at the C5-C6 level after a diving accident. For him, the road to independence started at Courage Kenny Rehabilitation Institute, where he completed their activity-based locomotor exercise program. Since then, he's incorporated lots of exercise into his routine, which has helped him become more independent. In 2018, he achieved another milestone and earned a Master of Business Administration from the University of Minnesota Carlson School of Management, which led to his new career in California. Despite being far away from his established support system, Thomas has been able to live a life full of activity, socialization, and travel. Another key to independence has been developing a routine to catheterize on his own, which he believes is a major reason he's able to live the life he wants. Thomas will share his catheterization best practices, tips and tricks, and advice to help others on the road to independence. Thank you again for joining us, Thomas. Um, To start out, we'd love to hear a little bit about you.
1: My name is Thomas Cloyd. I currently live in Oakland, California, but I was born and raised uh, just outside Minneapolis, Minnesota. The reason I'm here, I think, (laughs) is because in 2012, in July, I dove off a pontoon boat, hit my head on a sandbar, and broke my neck. My C5 vertebrae burst into my spinal cord, uh, resulting in paralysis. So I'm a quadriplegic, C5, C6 level mostly. So paralyzed below my chest, no finger function, but I have some wrist flexion and about 20% triceps, which has been really key to allow me to become independent. It's pretty crazy how just small little levels of function can really dramatically change what you're capable of doing or or it makes it easier to do certain things. So spinal cord injury about nine years ago. Since then, uh, I've done a lot of things, both in the recovery of my injury, but then also kind of just trying to get back to the life I was living before. Um, I did a lot of rehab at the Courage Kenny Institute. I did the ABLE program if people are familiar with it, which is really cool. And then just a lot of exercise. And I've Really focused on fitness a lot and kind of just general fitness instead of the more typical PT OT fitness and so I've been able to push myself there, which again has allowed me I think to become independent because I'm able to take more risks, kind of build these muscles up. So I've been focusing on fitness, but then also kind of uh, professionally looking at how to deliver a therapy to restore function to spinal cord injury. Um, I'm sure a few people may be aware there's a lot of cool stuff happening with implanted devices and stimulators that is impacting injury and actually returning volitional movement. People aren't playing basketball yet, but we're on a pathway to get there. And so I have also been involved with trying to get funding from the government and other people interested into building that out. So I've been doing that over the past few years and then ultimately I went to business school and graduated in 2018 and then moved out here to California. So I went to business school in Minnesota, moved here to California in 2018, um, for a job, working for a big healthcare system. And uh, yeah, it's been great.
0: Thank you for sharing your background and your journey with us. It certainly sounds like you've put a lot of effort into exercise and therapy to support your path to independence. And I'm sure that there were obstacles along the way. Would you be able to share what some of those challenges were as you adapted to your new lifestyle?
1: Yeah, I mean, it would probably easier to answer, what were the easy parts? Because there are fewer I mean as you can imagine it's just a total life change. I kind of you can, it's kind of like a rebirth because you have you have a new body. I mean it's really your function is completely alien to what you were experiencing before. So sure I could still move my arms and I have fingers which I can kind of line up to things and pick them up using tenodesis and some things like that. But it felt totally alien like a newborn. You know newborns walking around falling on their face because they don't know how long their legs are or how how it works. I guess newborns don't walk toddlers, I'm I but um, not only is it shocking mentally and all that kind of stuff, but just purely physically, even if you have like a lot of function, you still now have this new body. You need to figure out how it moves. And the only way you can do that is with time. So even in the best of circumstances, I mean, for me, I needed like three years just to figure out, Oh, okay. This is how I balance. This is my actual balance point. If I'm sitting on a bed or whatever. So you can kind of imagine the consequences of that, of not knowing how your body really works and what it's capable of. Things just are incredibly frustrating to engage with the world, like picking up a glass. I mean, I don't, I don't have any grip. And so you have to use two hands and figuring that out. So it honestly applies to every single aspect of every single second of your life. Because even When I'm laying down in bed, I'm at risk for a pressure sore. So I would need to be conscious of I would have to turn going to the bathroom and and cathing. Like I, in the beginning, I didn't really have any good sensation to know, do I have to pee or is this just normal or what's going on? And then maybe I would have a bladder spasm. So to be specific, I think really the hardest part when I first got hurt, it probably was bowel and bladder management because... I had a PCA that helped me for the first couple of years that would help me. I mean, when I first got hurt, they were with me, I think maybe six hours a day, three hours in the morning, three hours at night, helping me get dressed, helping me do my bowel program, cathing me, um, helping me transfer everything. And so that was actually kind of dealt with. But then if I'm going out in public and trying to hang out with my friends, I, didn't, I couldn't calf myself and I also wasn't confident in my bowel program. So always I was thinking – I'm going to pee my pants at this bar and that's going to be horrible and that's going to suck. So, and I'm not even just saying that because this is a Blast yeah. interview, but it's, I, it really was, that's the one that's so out of control, but also so messes things up because like, once you're have gone to the bathroom on yourself, there's a lot of steps to get clean and back if you're out in public. Um, okay. So yeah, I'd say that. And then, um, <laughs> I mean, then dealing with insurance to get, uh, you know, wheelchairs and the rights finding the right supplies. I don't know. There's a whole lot, but I think that bathrooms and that actually still sticks with me too. I mean, that's still in the back of my head. It's always like, cause you just don't have any control. I don't have any control over my bowel and bladder. So you're relying on like the, the things you can prepare yourself to do, but there's still going to be accidents. And then it's just devastating.
0: That definitely would be challenging and, and really limit your independence. So I'm sure that There are many listeners who have experienced similar struggles, especially at first. Would you share your initial reaction to learning you'd need to use intermittent catheters?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was probably less shocked than one would think. Because like, it's just so jarring and stuff is so messed up. It kind of felt par for the course. Yeah, I mean, not that I knew that I'd be using a catheter. But I think it was mostly because I quickly associated the use of a catheter with the relief of having gone to the bathroom, you know. So it's like that maybe the first couple times it was like, "Oh God, I can't even look. This is clearly not uh, normal. The human body isn't set up for this." But then, you know, once you feel the relief, because I do have a little bit. Once I understood my new sensations in my body, I actually do feel a re- sensation, a sensation of relief. And so, once that association happened, which was probably within a couple weeks. I immediately did it. But yeah, to answer your question, yeah. The first time I even realized what was going on, because um, I think I had a f- indwelling catheter when I was in the uh, ICU, because i ap- recovering from my surgery, and then I'm in inpatient rehab, and there are nurses coming in and cathing me with their crazy, ridiculous, touchless systems. They're using um, Betadine, and it's like a surgery down there, it looks like, which is <laughs> I mean, obviously, they need to do it in the hospital because there's so much risk for infection. But um, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't even really process what was going on until maybe a few days later, and then I finally looked down. I was like, oh crap! Like you're this is being jammed into me. Oh my god, my poor body. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, it's kind of like once you leave the hospital and it becomes a daily, it becomes normal for me. Again, I guess that's one thing I want to say too. I don't represent everybody with spinal cord injury or disability in any way um it's such a wide spectrum us with spinal cord injury and even same level of function the experience is totally different so well yeah i definitely want to make sure people should take everything i say with a grain of salt that um it's Mm -hmm. really just what i'm saying so for me once it became a daily activity and i had that association it actually became uh not as bad. It's kind of like wheelchair. Like people are like, do you hate your wheelchair? I'm like, no, it <laughs> lets me get around and without it, I'd be stuck in bed. And so mm-hmm. do I hate catheters? I hate I have to use catheters, but I'm glad that they exist because otherwise I'd have to have a condom bag and it wouldn't be good. So yeah, it wasn't as a bomb to me as I think I, I probably would have expected it to be.
0: Yeah. As you mentioned, everyone is different and I think you've developed a really positive mindset towards it but obviously there's a learning curve and it takes time to feel comfortable with your catheterization routine. Did it take you a while to find your preferred product and what type of product do you use?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that is the first gauntlet to independence. So for me, my goal was always to be totally independent. And again, that's not the goal for everybody because some people don't need it. Some people, you know, it's a higher hill to climb. but knowing that, that was the first bi- – that was the biggest restriction was I couldn't cath myself. So I was going out to places and would need somebody to come and meet me to cath. I've had my friends cath me. Some of my friends' uh, partners were in med school or something like that, and they cast me. And looking back, I cringed. I'm like, I can't believe that I did that. But they were happy to do it and allowed me to go out and spend time with people. But uh, – so I was at least a year post-injury where I – couldn't cath myself because I couldn't find a catheter I could open up and cleanly use. Cause again, I don't have any finger function. So mm-hmm. it's just using kind of the blunt sides of my hands. And, um, so I was searching and searching and talking to providers, but really the key to it all, and this is one main takeaway I want to make sure I say is going out and engaging in the community of people with similar, function or realities or experiences to you which in my case was wheelchair rugby quad rugby it was a group and it's mostly guys unfortunately hopefully that can change but it it's a group of guys and if you go to a tournament it could be up to 40 people in chairs ranging from 30 years in a chair to six months in a chair and you can then imagine all the different techniques and tools and stuff that people have so i went to my first tournament not being able to cath myself Having talked to physicians and some people to figure out what catheters existed, and then went home from a tournament and had identified a catheter that I could use because somebody gave it to me. I tried it, tested, did it, and was like, okay, wow, this is literally life changing. And it was, it was the Speedy Cath compact set. So the, with the bag attached, the little torpedo turquoise one. I'm sure you may be familiar with it. Um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, some, some guy had it and I was, t- I mean, cause again, this is stuff that people are going to talk about as a newly injured guy. I'm like, well, how do you transfer? How do you get dressed? How do you go to the bathroom? And they go, Floop, popped it out. And I was like, oh man, what is that? And then they do it. And then, so found that. And I was immediately just so excited and knowing, cause like I knew, I was like, oh, I could actually open this. And then you start thinking like, oh my God, then I could sleep over at somebody's house. Or then I don't need to keep my mom on call to come down in the middle of the night to cath me. I can go on a plane longer, you know, if I really need to. So it's like, it just opens up so much knowing that you could do it on your own to get there. So that's one step. And then Mm -hmm. the second step is getting it covered by insurance. For me, it worked, but it certainly took some, some steps. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's the actual technique of doing it on my own every day. And maybe we'll talk about this, but like, how many do I need to carry? How do I pull my pants down? How much do I need to clean? What do I do with the bag after? Um, How, like, what's my body position? You know, all that kind of stuff. And that continues to improve. I mean, honestly, I'm still figuring out new tips and, and ways or new tricks and new ways to do it. But easily that was years to refine my technique. I mean, I was immediately able to do it. But I'm able to now do it in more situations and more quickly and more cleanly um, every time. You know, just that you repeated process. You kind of continue to improve.
0: So now that we've talked a little bit about your initial experiences, let's switch gears and talk about your journey to really being independent. So when you moved to California, you really left a strong support system back in Minnesota, which must have been scary. Will you tell us a little bit about what it was like adapting to that independence?
1: Yeah, I may not be as deep as a person as I uh, probably should be, but I mean, I had already, I, so I studied abroad in my business school program. I went to Stockholm for two and a half months where I lived alone in an apartment and I had some other friends out there, but that was, it was, I meant it as a dry run kind of to prep, to make sure I could handle it living alone. And so that certainly kind of gave me the confidence, I think, to know I could do it had I not done that I'm sure it would have been a little bit more drastic of a switch. I lived I lived in Argentina before I got hurt for all, about a year and so I was actually more excited honestly than anything and it felt cool like I was I remember I got a small little um vacuum and a Swiffer mop and I remember I would clean every week and I was like, "Oh, this is great, look at me." But then after about a month I was like, "Oh man, wait. I forgot how tiring this is and it's not as fun as I remember, but I was <laughs> I was just super jazzed to lay out my own place and really know now what setup I need, given my chair and like, oh, I can put the bed and the couch in this position. I don't have to worry about a roommate. It's like, this is for me to be able to have easy access. So yeah, I was, I was, the excitement was by far a more powerful feeling than any kind of worry or anything like that.
0: That definitely sounds like an exciting move and a good life transition for you. So earlier you mentioned that initially you relied on others to help you catheterize. What were some long-term adaptations you had to make to self-catheterize on your own and feel comfortable with that?
1: Yeah, well I mean so finding finding the Speedy Cat to be honest was obviously the first key because that was the only one I could open on my own. And so that again started this journey of of independence. So the first step was finding it. And then the second was just doing it. I mean, so to open and I've told you guys this and I'm hoping we can work on it. But so to open, it, I had to bite, bite the one side and then use my two hands to open it. And so even like figuring that out and f- figuring out where to bite on the tube to get the best traction is key. And then some are tighter than others. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of a thing. But then also, OK, now I'm going to need a bag or a backpack to carry these around. If uh, how many do you I use a day roughly so that. I know what to bring with me for a day. I know how many to bring with me if I'm going on a trip, and then also when I get a prescription for them, then I know how many I need to request so that I'm covered for the full month um, of what I use. And I, I typically use about ten, which it depends because if I'm drinking more water, obviously I'll use, I don't normally use ten, but you know you got to make sure that you're covered. So yeah, the, the understanding how many I use, but then definitely um, body position is one of the biggest ones. So I because I can't squeeze my bladder. I don't have any... My muscles are paralyzed around there. Mm-hmm. So I would play with... So what I end up doing is scooting my hips forward, pulling down my pants. And that's another thing, realizing how I need to do my... So I typically, if I'm wearing jeans, I don't button the top button because I'm not able to undo it. But I have a belt that kind of covers that. And then a belt, actually, that I can open. It's like one of those clamp belts, the old like skateboarding style. Yeah. Um, so setting that up so that I can easily... Access and then also in my chair, so I'll scoop my hips up so I can kind of get there and then insert the catheter. But then I will lean forward back and forth to kind of massage and squeeze my bladder
0: mm-hmm. to get it
1: out. Um, and then again, also a big one, so I use it in bed, uh, because it's a closed bag, so I'm mm-hmm. quite lazy. But it's nice, is I'll just because I'll have to go to the bathroom maybe like twice most nights, mm-hmm. and so. Instead of having to get up and go to my chair go to the bathroom, I can just lean over and I have a little box of them next to my bed and then figuring out, okay, I got to roll over on my side, get my elbow down. And then once it's inserted, then I do kind of this same rollover thing to squeeze my bladder. And all of that was just iterative discovery by doing it. And I think most people with injuries will understand that where you just, you've learned as you go, like you can never, every again, since everybody's so different. Mm-hmm. There's not one system that's going to work for everybody.
0: Well, it sounds like you've been really innovative while learning these best practices, so we appreciate you sharing them. Do you have any other advice you would want to share with listeners or others who might be in a similar situation?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think everyone has their own journey, and their own pathway. So comp- you can't compare to other people because, again, everyone's function, everyone's situation is all different. But you can look to other people For I think motivation, that for me was seeing all these guys at rugby tournaments who had less function than me that were transferring out of rugby chairs and like transferring into a truck and then driving up to go pick up their newborn child and go to their full-time job. Like, what? Oh my God, Mm -hmm. how's that happening? And so seeing that just blew up my concept of what I could and couldn't do. And once that barrier has gone out of your head, then you're like, oh, Well, then it's just a matter of me figuring it out and having to go and push it forward. So I think at least for me, I had a restriction on what I thought I could do in that first year because I was like, oh, I don't have triceps. These people have hand function. That's why they can do it. I can't do it. But then for me, it was seeing these other people with less function do stuff. And then I was like, well, I don't have an excuse. You know, like, uh, what am I talking about? So I think going in the community and meeting other people with similar function is absolutely key. And then also... And I don't know if maybe this isn't good advice. I'll say it worked for me. You kind of got to push yourself and take risks. I mean, every major jump I had in independence was probably something like a PT wanted suggest. You know, transferring alone when I was home alone because I couldn't get a PCA. I was like, I just need to do this. Transferring out of my bed alone for the first time. Cause I just want to get to bed and like, I could fall. Yeah, sure. But also I'm just tired and don't want to do this. And so I did it and I've transferred and I was fine. I was like, Oh, cool. And then from there, I didn't need anybody to help me in and out of bed. And then same goes just for a lot of other stuff, like traveling without somebody with me. I was just like, I'm just going to do it and see what happens. And you know, you can prepare and do set yourself up for success. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's a lot like in life where there's some times where you just need to take the jump, you know, take the push, Because otherwise, you won't know what you can and can't do. Then again, you don't want to fall and like break your leg or anything like that because that would really suck. But yeah, for me, it's been jumps. And a lot of time, it's been a clear goal that leads to more independence. So again, like flying alone, transferring, sleeping at somebody else's house. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. So meeting other people in the community and then really being willing to take a risk, though, I don't, I don't, I can't officially recommend that. I'll say it works for me.
0: Thomas, it has been such a pleasure having you here with us today. Thank you for sharing those initial experiences with catheterization and how you've adapted to being able to self-catheterize over time. It sounds like it's really enabled you to live a more fulfilling, independent life, and we hope that your tips, tricks, and advice can help others who might be in a similar situation. So thank you again for joining us on Real Talk. If you're new to using an intermittent catheter, you may have questions about how to catheterize, your routine, and how to stay healthy and compliant. It can be a confusing time, and we're here to help. Coloplast Care is an ongoing product and lifestyle educational support program to help intermittent catheter users with health and lifestyle tips to become confident in their routine. When enrolled, you'll receive a welcome call from your personal advisor, who can help answer your questions, troubleshoot, and even send product samples with the ultimate goal of meeting you where you are in the learning process to help you be successful in your new routine. You'll also receive a free welcome kit in the mail filled with clinician-validated education, a bag to carry your catheters in, isogel for sanitization on the go, and more. You can sign up to Coloplast Care for free by visiting www.bladder.coloplastcare.us, calling 866-226-6362, or visiting today's podcast description. Samples available with valid prescription only. Limitations apply.